0: hi hello and welcome to knock knock i with dr glockham this is a little uh different right we're this it's we're releasing this on a thursday normally our episodes are on tuesday uh it's just me i i'm alone in my office here recording uh and uh, it's called knock knock i because this is not a knock knock high. We're just talking eyeballs today. This is one of my favorite things in life, our eyeballs. Did you know that? See, the thing is people, a lot of people don't realize I am an ophthalmologist. That surprises people because they see me spend so much time uh, wearing costumes and pretending to be other specialties in my content that they, they don't know. I'm actually a board certified ophthalmologist. I've been practicing. I finished residency in 2017. Uh, so you know, I got about seven years under my belt here. And, uh, and so I, I heard a lot, I've heard a lot of feedback from people. I might put a video out about general surgery or, uh, turnover time or internal medicine rounds. And I would still get, get comments from people like, Hey, can you explain of idiopathic intracranial hypertension to me? Uh, can you uh, tell me about the latest eye drop that's causing, like, uh, that's, that people are murdering other people with? Visine. Um, the point is, we can talk about that later. The point is, I, I, I get so many questions about eyeball stuff. And I don't know why I don't. Actually, I do know why. I, I don't address ophthalmology topics very often. I'm not the type of content creator that historically has done a lot of just straight-up education about eyeballs. Um, because this has always been like my creative outlet, right? I do that all day in clinic and surgery. Like I'm always talking about eyeball stuff. Um, and, and so this is like my chance to just to do comedy, uh, maybe a little education, but uh, things that are outside my comfort zone. I love stretching myself a little bit, having to actually learn about, uh, uh you know, nephrology topics or infectious disease topics uh and and try to make them funny that's fun for me i know that's, that's a weird thing to say out loud but it is it is fun for me it's my creative outlet um but i lately i've really been thinking okay uh, you know i have this platform i have all, so many people that want to know about eyeball stuff um but also there's a lot of really strange things uh, uh, that people are saying about eyeballs on social media. There's a lot of misinformation. There's a lot of bad advice, and I I trust myself with my ophthalmology knowledge. I would hope that you would trust me with ophthalmology knowledge. So I thought, you know what? I I'm really I, I'm doing a disservice to society by not talking about eyeballs. No, I don't know. I just I want to. Use like my platform for good, and uh, so I, you know, I like talking about the U.S. healthcare system. So why not talk about eyeballs? All right, now some of you may be like, I don't care. I know that I have two of them. That's all I need to know about eyes, and that's fine. That's fine. But uh, I'll try to make this fun and interesting. Now it may be topics that that you don't care about. Um, there may be topics that you've heard about, but you do want to learn about, uh, but you don't know anything about. That that didn't make any sense. What I just said. The point is, like, some of you will like this. Some of you will be like, "To hell with it! I don't want to know anything about eyeballs," and that's fine. All right. Uh, what we're gonna do? I'm gonna I'm gonna choose one topic, one ophthalmology topic, one disease, one thing, and we'll go in depth into it a little bit. And I think, I guarantee you'll learn something. You really will learn something because nobody outside of ophthalmology knows about eyeballs or really cares to know about eyeballs. So uh, uh, so whether you like it or not, you're going to learn something about eyeballs. All right. That's our goal here. It's going to be fun though. I promise. Uh, uh, pff, actually, I can't promise that, but I'm going to do my best. So the way I thought we could start this, and again, every week, once a week, for as long as I can keep this up, we'll see every, every time I, I like start a project, I think, you know what, this is going to be great, but I'm done like this. I can't fit anything more, uh, into my schedule. And then I get like, I get pulled into something else. Uh, and so like I got the, the op my, my career as an ophthalmologist, I got, I'm making the skits. We're doing the podcast with, I'm recording with my wife, uh, Kristen. And then now I'm doing this. Um, and it's, and it's just like, there are, only 24 hours. In, actually there are I think uh, neurosurgeons have figured out that there are actually 28 hours in a day. Did you know that? I think that was lately, uh, li- um, recently published in JAMA. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, the point is, uh, uh I've, I'm going to do my best to keep this going. We'll see. Um, uh, if I start, you know, losing my mind and getting burned out, I'll stop. But you know, I think this will be fun. And so as we go, I'm going to be developing this little once-a-week series, so uh, and we'll see we'll see what happens. You know, if you have suggestions for improvements or suggestions for topics you want to hear me talk about with regard to ophthalmology, we may touch on some non-ophthalmology areas of medicine as well. Um, yeah, it, just like anything, this will evolve, and uh, I'll try to make it as as fun and entertaining and educational as possible. So, what I thought we could do, I want to start with a short series over the next few weeks about pants patients. This is going to be the topic. The topic will be a different pants patient every week. Now, I keep saying that as if you all know what I'm talking about. Some of you may know because I think I've mentioned pants patients before, but if I haven't, a pants patient is when you're on calls as an ophthalmologist and the emergency department pages you, you call them back and they tell you something about a patient that results in you immediately putting on your pants and coming in to see the patient. So pants patients are the true emergencies of ophthalmology. Now, fortunately, there are not that many. If there were more actual emergencies in ophthalmology, I, I, I wouldn't be making TikToks every other day. But so fortunately, it, it's not that frequent that we have like true emergencies where I got to like get up, come in at 2 a.m., to assess to evaluate the patient, to treat the patient, do surgery. So, we are going to start once a week with a pants patient. This is a disease, something that happened that's resulting in me immediately coming to evaluate the patient. So, I'm going to set these up with a patient presentation. This is typical of a, of a typical presentation of the disease. But I'm not, these, these aren't like actual patients. I'm not, you know, using any real patient information. Uh, so, it's a, you know, so, so we don't have any like HIPAA issues or anything. <clears throat> but these are all things that we see fairly commonly. Uh, eventually, we may get into some really uncommon, some zebra type stuff. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll, start, we'll start pretty common here. So this patient is a 58-year-old male who was at home. Very artistic individual. Uh, this just, just, is just a just a lovely gentleman. All right, he just uh, you know he's got a um, a, a very, e- very eclectic taste, uh, lots of different hobbies, and one of the things he likes to do is he likes to make artwork, and uh, he likes using his hands. And so he's doing some metalworking. He was grinding. He was hammering metal, uh, using his grinder, using his, his his like table saw as well for other things, um, and you know what? He forgot to put on his safety glasses. I think you can see where this is going. There was an accident. A piece of his equipment broke off in high-speed projectile right to the eye. And then he went into the emergency room. The emergency department, they evaluate the patient. They got a CT scan. And I get a call in the emergency department. I ask, you know, well, what's the patient's vision? That's the number one thing. You know, you're if you call an ophthalmologist, That's, you got to have some kind of vision assessment, please. All right. That's the, we don't get angry very often because let's be honest, our, our, our life is not bad. All right. As far as like on-call duties. And so no ophthalmologist really should ever get upset with you for like calling. But the thing that does grind our gears a little bit more than anything else is when you call us, but you don't have a vision and it's not hard to get a vision. So for this patient, let's say the emergency department, they did get a vision. They lifted up the patient's eyelid and the patient saw no light. No light perception. A lot of people think if you're checking vision, you're having you're putting a chart in front of the patient's eye. You're like, "What can you read?" Well, if the patient can't read anything on the chart, there's still a lot of useful vision that you can assess for. You can put your hand in front of their face. You can do hand motion vision. Do you see my hand moving? Do you see fingers that I'm holding up in front of you? If they can't see any of that, And you find a big bright light and you shine it right in front of that patient's eye. If the patient cannot see that light, that is called no light perception. And that is a big deal. There are very few things that cause that level of vision loss. One of them is an open globe injury. And that is what we're talking about today. Open globe injuries. So you can think of the eye as a balloon, right? And so if you make a hole in the side of the balloon, it's going to deflate uh, rather explosively for a balloon, not so much for an eyeball because the eye is not filled with air. There's no air in the eyeball. It's filled with fluid. It's filled with jelly. Uh, You definitely don't want a hole or a scratch or a laceration to the side of the eye or the front of the eye, any part of the eye, uh, because then the things that are inside the eye will come outside the eye. And so the emergency department, they call me. They say, no light perception, vision. Immediately, my ears are perking. My, I'm, I'm, I'm waking. I am now fully awake. My feet are out of the bed. They're on the, on. Uh, they're hanging off the side. They're on the floor. I'm starting to uh, look for my pants uh, because I know that there's something serious going on because there is no light perception in that eye. The ED says we got a CT scan. It's like good. We always want a CT scan for any kind of eye trauma at all whatsoever. They say. It looks uh, deflated, and we actually have a, th- a word for that. We call it the smushed grape sign, or at least I call it a smushed grape sign, uh, because on a CT scan the eye should be spherical; it should look whole. But if there's a you know an open globe, it can look a little bit smushed. Now that's not you can't diagnose an open globe just based on that CT scan. You do have to actually look at the eye and find out if there's a laceration or a puncture wound or something. But it's certainly something that helps us with our diagnosis, especially when it's a non-ophthalmologist. So you know that's actually enough of an ex- of a of a presentation from the emergency physician for me to get my ass out of bed and get up to the op- the the, uh, the hospital, because no light perception in the hist- with a history of trauma that is an open globe until proven otherwise. Right, I have to assume that's an open globe, so I'm going in. I'm checking on, I open up the patient's eye and sure enough, there's a little, a laceration to the sclera. The sclera is the white part of the eye. All right. So laceration to the sclera. First thing I'm doing, first thing I'm doing, putting on a shield. You got to put a shield on the eye. Uh, Next thing I'm doing is I'm looking to see if there's any imaging. Now there's already a CT scan. That's good. That's good. You know, uh, you may hear about ultrasound for traumatic eye injuries. There's never a need. There's never an indication to to put an ultrasound probe on a uh, uh, on a traumatic eye injury. Now, I've 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 had arguments. This is this is one of the things. All right, as as like the one of the only like ophthalmologists that people know about on social media. I I for a long time. I every so often I get pulled into like an argument. Um, And a lot of them, a a big one is about using ultrasound. In general, I'm fine with you using ultrasound in the eye. Uh, Emergency medicine doctors, they like doing this. Uh, But it's never indicated or necessary for a trauma. Because we will, it doesn't matter what you see on that ultrasound, we're going to need a CT scan. And I can see more with a CT scan than you can with an ultrasound. Trust me. All right we can evaluate for uh, orbital fractures. We can also evaluate for any intraocular or intraorbital foreign bodies, metallic foreign bodies. An ultrasound can see foreign bodies in the eye, but it has a hard time seeing foreign bodies in the orbit behind the eye. And we need to see both. So, got to have a CT scan. You got to have it. So, I go in there, I put a shield on the eye. We don't, want any, we don't want anything hitting the eye at this point. There's an open globe, all right? Uh, we don't want the patient trying to rub the eye. So we put a shield on there. Make sure there's a scan. Give the patient Zofran. So why would we do that? We don't want any nausea or vomiting for that patient. Because that's the having a patient with an open globe start vomiting is the easiest way for whatever's inside the eye to end up outside the eye. All right, that's you're just going to push out all the st- all the important structures in there. This is going to get gross, by the way. This this is a you'll find a common theme with eyeball stuff. All right, if it's it it might you might feel a little squeamish. Uh, uh, but we're going to, we're going to talk about all the stuff, all the, the gross things with eyeballs. All right. It's, it's, I'm not showing you pictures. You can at least take solace in that fact. You can, if you want though, just Google open globe injury. It's horrifying a lot, most of the time. So, um, so anyway, I, so I got the shield on there. We got the scan Zofran. Uh, I'm starting, we're getting starting IV moxifloxacin, 400 milligrams. So we always give IV moxy with any open globe injury because it has good intraocular penetration. That antibiotic will, will get through the bloodstream. It'll get into the eye and, uh, kill all the, it's a strong antibiotic. So it's broad spectrum. It's going to kill a lot of things. Uh, and that's one of the things we're most worried about is infection. Um, and then, uh, so, so after we, so we get the the, the IV uh, moxie going and then we're planning uh, the operating room We're planning what we're gonna do uh, We try to this is uh, in, in residency this would be what, what we called the Class B case so it, it needs to go to the operating room within four hours You'd be surprised some people think oh man don't you have to go like right away it's like like you see in the you know medical TV shows they're just wheeling you up immediately the the surgeon everybody's there right there. Uh, you know, the music is dramatic, but no, no, we can, we can wait a few hours. In fact, sometimes that's advantageous because if it's like 3 AM and we can wait a few hours for like our typical eye team, because this is a very specialized surgery. If we can wait a few hours for the eye team to get there, uh, it, it, it makes the surgery a little bit easier. Uh, it, it makes it go a little bit more smoothly. So we do like that, but if we need to, we'll go in the middle of the night. Repair the eyeball, so use little tiny sutures. If you know anything about sutures, like the general surgeons use like 3-0, 2-0, 1-0, 0 I, I don't even know how, how low it gets. Uh, we're using like 9-0, 10-0. We're using a microscope, very fine surgery. Uh, and uh, sometimes these open globes can take several hours to fix, depending on the extent of the injury. Um, and then, so, I, so, so we repair the surgery. Sorry, we repair the eye. And then it's a lot of follow-up after that. I'm not going to go into like the, the post-op drops or anything. That's that's very, that's very a little bit too ophthalmology-specific. I'm not trying to make this be something for ophthalmologists. I want this to be an everybody type. Everybody can enjoy a little open globe talk. Everybody can enjoy a little smushed, smushed grape talk. Um, and so there's a whole post-op treatment regimen that we go through. Uh, the prognosis is not great for most open globe injuries, especially if the eye is... No light perception. All right. So if the patient's not seeing anything pre-op, there's a good chance they're not going to see anything post-op. It's just, it's a, it's a really bad injury. We do our best. We repair the eye the best we can. uh, And then we kind of just see how the patient heals up. But a lot of the times patients end up having those eyes enucleated, which means removed. You know, you put a prosthetic in. It's another topic we can talk about later. Um, the ones that do well are the ones that have the patients that have good vision preoperatively. So there's small lacerations, like little corneal lacerations, uh, puncture wounds, things that we can, uh, that, that are typically, uh, lacerations, uh, in the front part of the eye that don't go deep. They get into the eye, but they stop short of causing damage to any vital structures. Those we can save those eyes. Uh, and those are the very lucky ones. So that's, that's open globes. Now this brings me to our, uh, I'm going to try to do little segments. Uh, so this one's uh, the don't do that eyeball tip of the week. Part of the reason I'm doing this is because every so often I get tagged on something on TikTok and it has me screaming out, don't do that to your eyeballs. I don't know why people love like messing with their eyes just like ran like doing like, like squirting lime juice in their eye and and uh, using a aged urine eye drops. Yes, these are real things. And we can talk about them as we go through this weekly series. So, uh, this is uh, something as the don't do that eyeball tip of the week. Today's don't do that eyeball tip of the week wear safety glasses, please. That's that's, that's it's you know so much in life uh, would be safer if we all just wore safety glasses. All right. So when you're doing metalworking and woodworking, obviously, uh, when you're doing yard work, all right, if you're, if you're mowing the yard, you're cutting uh, limbs, uh, you're, uh, weed eating, you're out there, you're eating weeds. I, put on some safety glass. All, if there's a projectile, if there is a risk of projectiles, wear your safety glasses. Okay. Shooting off fireworks. I see it every year. Uh, people just doing. You know, if you're doing anything more uh, dangerous than like, uh, uh, lighting a a one of those um black snake things, <laughs> the 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 charcoal snakes, you know, that just slowly. If it's anything more uh, uh involved than that, wear safety. In fact, even if you're just doing the the charcoal snakes, still wear your safety glasses. You you never know. You never know, folks. So yard work, metal working, wood working fireworks, uh, driving a car. Yes, I it, now it's, it might sound ridiculous, um, but uh, I wouldn't fault you for putting on safety glasses when you get in the car. You, d- you know, you can do what you want. I'm just you want to be safe. It's just it's something to think about, all right? Um, uh, visiting the zoo. Why people don't walk around wearing safety glasses at the zoo? I don't know, because any animal, uh, a tiger, you'd think those enclosures really keep you safe. I mean, if they wanted to get out, let's be honest, if there's an open air exhibit with a tiger, it, if it wanted to escape, it would escape and it would maul your face off. All right. But if you're wearing safety glasses, you'll be, you probably won't be fine. But it, it, the point is, uh, uh, it, it, you know, it, it never hurts to err on the side of safety of caution. All right. And that's, that's what I'm all about when it comes to eyeballs. All right. Here's another one using a curling iron. I've seen it. I've seen it. I don't know. You, maybe you get too like vigorous uh, with the, the, the curling of the hair and it, it gets your eyeball. I've seen uh, burns, uh, some nasty injuries. Hey, put on some safety glasses when you're curling your hair. All right. You, you could probably uh, uh, post a TikTok about it. It'd probably go viral. There you go. There's free content advice for burgeoning content creators here safety glasses while doing all of these things hiking, walking living your life in general i there's i can't think of a re- this is really devolving here but i can't think of a reason not to wear safety glasses doing anything whatsoever um that's that sounds unreasonable i realize that but you got to go with me on this one all right so um if if you ever consider if you ever think to yourself should i there's a there's a thing in surgery when we're doing eye surgery and there's like little devices, little things you can use to make help help you feel better. I'll use like pupil expansion devices. We use these little, if the patient's pupil doesn't dilate enough, we can use a little device to open up the pupil. And one of one thing my mentor taught me, Tom Oding at the University of Iowa, shout out Tom. Uh, one thing he told me was that if you ever if you think about using it, then use it. If you think you might need it, then use it. All right, in surgery, I think it ap- applies in life as well. If you think to yourself, oh, I should probably be wearing safety glasses, yeah, you should wear safety glasses. Put those things on, all right? I don't wanna see any pictures of any of you uh, using sparklers without safety glasses, okay? So that's your, uh, don't do that, eyeball tip of the week. Wear safety glasses as often as humanly possible. All right, now uh, it's time for your ophthalmology fun fact. We're wrapping this up. I promised you I wouldn't go longer than like 30 minutes on this. Did I promise you that? I don't know. I'm promising that to you now. All right. Your ophthalmology fun fact of the week. All right. This is uh, related to the size of your eyeball. Now, a lot of people think this is like a, something I probably heard in like elementary school, right? So it's has like been perpetuated over time. That your eyes don't grow as you get older. Like you're born with like adult-sized eyeballs which would be interesting uh, to, to look at, actually. Uh, there are diseases like congenital glaucoma where the eye will be much larger, and it's, uh, it's, very, it's, it's a tough disease. It's an abnormal finding. Um, and so, no, that's not true. The eye does grow over time. In fact, your eye, when you're born, is about 17 millimeters long, 17 millimeters long. The adult eyeball is about 24 millimeters long. So your eye is roughly 66% of the size it'll be as an adult when you're born. There you go. There, there is your, uh, your eyeball tip of the week, something you can take to parties. Um, uh, make sure everybody's good and drunk before you pull that one out. Otherwise, uh, they'll look at you funny. Um, and uh, so there you go. The eyeball Tip of the uh, sorry that's not that's the ophthalmology fun fact not the eyeball tip of the week I'm getting my segments confused here all right uh, and if you have other like uh, again I'm just gonna keep reminding you like give me some uh, give me some ideas things that you want me to talk about I'm happy to 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 oblige all right and the last thing here's the last segment and if I can think of more segments over time we'll do it because I think they're kind of fun all right the uh, this last segment that I'm gonna do every week it's called explain like I'm eight. Now, if you went through medical training, medical education, probably anything, you know that when, when people who are much smarter than you try to explain things, sometimes it just goes way over your head. Like I can think of so many times when I had like a cardiologist or a nephrologist or a uh, particularly nephrology because their stuff is so complicated. Uh, I was a med student. I was listening to this presentation and the nephrologist uh, uh, was explaining something and I came away thinking, man, I have no idea what you just said at all. And I wanted to so badly just say, can you do that again instead uh, pretend I'm an I'm an 8-year-old boy? Pretend I'm 8 and explain it to me in words and ways that an 8-year-old would understand. So that's what we're going to do. It's called explain like I'm 8, and not only am I going to explain it to you like an 8-year-old, like you're an 8-year-old, <laughs> but I'm also going to have a question uh, 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 asked by an eight-year-old. So the question is going to be from an eight-year-old. The answer is going to be for eight-year-olds. All right. And hopefully we can all learn together from this. All right. So, um, so here we go. Here's a question from actually my eight-year-old. Here we go. What's behind the eye? That is a fantastic question. What is behind the eye? What is, what's back there? So the eye uh, sits in an orbit. So the orbit, if you've, if you've seen a skull, right, you see, you know, the space where the eye goes, it's like, it's, it's, it's like a little home, but it's, it's only got, it's got three walls. Well, really four walls, right? It's got a roof. It's got a lateral. It's got an inferior and it's got a medial. So it's, it's surrounded. It protects the eye. All right. So the eye sits in the orbit, but it's not all the way in the back of the orbit. There's space behind the eye. That's where all the blood vessels are, the lymphatics, the muscles are back there. Uh, there's nerves, the optic nerve is back there. And so there's actually um, a, a good amount of space back there. Uh, and so, you know, uh, that's the orbit is a very complicated structure. So that's that's behind the eye is the space called the orbit. Uh, we call it also the retrobulbar space, the behind the eye space. And then if you go further and further back, then you get to the back of the eye, the back of the orbit, uh, which is um, um, uh, then if you go behind the, the orbital apex, which is where all the, those bones, they come together to form the back of the orbit, then you get into the brain. All right, so all the blood vessels, all the, the nerves, everything, uh, they go from the eye all the way to the back of the orbit, and then there's little holes, little um, slits where, the, where those blood vessels and those nerves can get out of the orbit and go back to the brain. So that's the space behind the eye. Thank you for that question. And if you have other questions that you'd like me to uh, answer like you're an 8-year-old, uh, please let me know. I'm happy to. I, I want to try to keep things simple. I want this to be something we can all learn from, right? I want you all to learn something about eyeballs. So that's our episode today uh, of Knock Knock Eye. Thank you all for joining me. I promised I wouldn't go over 30 minutes, and we're, I, I, we're like just barely there. Uh, so uh, stay tuned. Next week, we'll do another Pants Patient. Thanks for joining me. Take care, everyone.